The Whole Health Cure with Dr. Sharon Berquist, the podcast that brings you inspiration and skills for living a healthy and fulfilled life. Welcome to the Whole Health Cure podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Sharon Berquist. On this podcast, we explore the science and provide inspiration and skills for living your happiest, most fulfilling, and healthiest life. I'm thrilled to be joined today by Dr. Mladen Golubik, the Medical Director of the Center for Lifestyle Medicine at the Cleveland Clinic Wellness Institute. Mladen joined the Cleveland Clinic Wellness Institute in 2009 after completing residency training in internal medicine at Huron Hospital in East Cleveland, Ohio. Dr. Golubik is a graduate of the University of Zagreb School of Medicine in Croatia, He earned his doctorate at the same university after five years of postdoctoral fellowship at the Max Planck Institute for Biology in the field of immunogenetics. He's certified by the American Board of Internal Medicine and the American Board of Lifestyle Medicine. His specialty interests include lifestyle therapies for cardiovascular disease and lifestyle-related types of cancer. Dr. Goljevic is the author of more than 40 peer-reviewed articles, five book chapters, and numerous articles on complementary and alternative medicine therapies for WebMD, and was a reviewer for several scientific journals. Dr. Goljevic, thank you so much for joining us on the program. Thank you for the invitation. Pleasure to be here. And, and Laden, the, Cl- the Cleveland Clinic is, you know, renowned for its faculty and hospital, and it's also a leader in wellness and lifestyle medicine. Um, as we briefly talked, your program has been here for over a decade, and um, and you're also certified by the American Board of Lifestyle Medicine. Can you just talk a little bit about lifestyle medicine and how it's different from a typical primary care visit? you know, that most people are accustomed to. Mm-hmm. Um, when we talk about lifestyle medicine, um, we, we think about practices that all of us uh, physicians try to do, meaning regardless of your specialty, you want your patient to choose healthy foods, to be physically active, have good sleep hygiene. Yeah, every physician wants that. The difference is that in lifestyle medicine, this is the primary therapeutic tool. So advising patients, finding out about their dietary habits, their sleep habits, their stressors in life, how they respond to stress, the amount of physical activity that they get, and then designing the intervention based on, on this information that we get from our patients, depending on their uh, conditions, depending on their preferences. That is the primary therapeutic tool medications, procedures, et cetera, is the secondary. So I think that's the big distinction between practicing lifestyle medicine versus, you know, um, primary care or any uh, general uh, medical practice. And and the benefits of focusing on the lifestyle in terms of the outcome, in terms of health, can you speak a little bit um, about what you see from the benefits of that approach? Well, uh, <clears throat> I think when, when we talk about lifestyle medicine, we know that um, the evidence is impeccable in the sense that leading causes of death are chronic diseases that are mostly mediated by poor lifestyle choices. So clearly, <clears throat> the focus, therapeutic focus, should be on interventions that address those, 
that address those root causes of diseases. Yeah? And so when you address uh, and improve dietary intake, meaning that food, uh, people eat healthier foods, they make healthier choices, they chew well on these foods and, and you know, make sure that they eat mindfully rather than mindlessly. Uh, you engage them so that they are more physically active. Uh, they might even learn some of the techniques to relieve stress, meditation, yoga, tai chi, qigong, that, that is a variety of those. Then what you see, and it's not just our observation, there are, there are good studies uh, confirming that, you see that many uh, systems in the body get improved, meaning um, you can lose weight, your mood is better, you sleep better, your cholesterol may be lower, your blood sugar may be better. So those are the things that happen from single intervention, lifestyle medicine intervention. Yeah, if you want to reduce blood sugar, you need to take a pill or two or three. If you want to reduce cholesterol, you need to take another set of pills. If you want to reduce blood pressure, another set of pills. And when you take blood pressure pills, you do not impact blood sugar or you do not impact your sleep or you do not impact your communication with your family and co-workers, yeah? With lifestyle medicine, all of those things happen simultaneously. And I think that is the power of lifestyle medicine. You impact your health in variety of systems. You impact health around you, meaning your family. If you pop a pill for blood pressure, your kids are not eating healthier. Yeah? They are not exercising more because they don't see you eating healthier and exercising more. And you impact the society. You impact the organizations where you work. Yeah? Yeah. No, I, I think you're... Or, you know, any civic society. So that, that's, why that, that's the beauty of lifestyle medicine. Our patients are ambassadors of those changes because they feel better and they impact people around them. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and you're, you know, I think that's such a good point in that when you get to the root cause in terms of the biological pathways that can get altered by a good lifestyle, then you're treating multiple diseases um, through just one type of approach as opposed to needing to treat blood pressure different from heart disease. So that's very helpful. And the term lifestyle medicine, you know, there's so many um, I guess terms out there now of different medicines that try and incorporate lifestyle, but they're all a little different. So um, I think some people may have heard the terms alternative medicine, complementary medicine, integrative medicine, functional medicine, and lifestyle medicine. Can you maybe say a little bit about what differentiates lifestyle medicine from, I, I think, a lot of alternatives now to general internal medicine? Well, Sharon, that's, that's a really good question, and we get asked this all the time from our patients. Yeah? What's the difference between integrative and lifestyle medicine? We are the Center for Integrative and Lifestyle Medicine. Yeah? And um, how I see it, 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 it's really integrative medicine is very comprehensive. It, it encompasses modalities that we called before complementary and alternative medicine. It encompasses medical practices from different cultures, Ayurvedic medicine, traditional Chinese medicine, modalities that aim not just at functional body, but, but modalities that address the issue of, so, so to speak, energy in the body, uh, mind and spirit. Yeah? So it's very comprehensive. I think integrative medicine is probably the broadest. It has all of those components. 
Now, part of integrative medicine is lifestyle medicine. And it's actually the, probably the most significant, regardless on which medical tradition you look, there is always that idea of food as medicine, movement as medicine, mindfulness uh, as medicine, yeah? It's just that in lifestyle medicine, uh, which uh, I think it's almost like a branch or subgroup of, of integrative medicine, that is the primary, primary tool. For example, if somebody has low back pain, um, you can, in integrative medicine, you would say, okay, let's try acupuncture. Maybe we can try, you know, autohypnosis. We can try massotherapy, uh, chiropractic treatments. In, in lifestyle medicine, <clears throat> excuse me, would be, let's look at uh, your dietary patterns. Let's try to see if your diet is anti-inflammatory. Let's see if we can help you through meditation. Yeah. Lifestyle medicine is, is self-care. It's something that patients with minimal guidance can implement without depending on somebody else to put the needles in their bodies or to massage them or to, to adjust their, their posture, and etc. Yeah, so it's, it's really like the self-care, how to empower people to care for themselves. They have the skills to do that. Um, and then functional medicine, it's, it's kind of... Uh, uh, Again, distinct, it's more modern-looking medicine, uh, using all the available tools and trying to figure out the slightest biochemical disturbances, and trying to fix them. Um, I think there are some good points in the sense that it, it, it takes the system's biology into account. Uh, but I think uh, it's, it's a very young field, and it's, I would, in my opinion, it's still immature. Um, there are many things that that are done that run ahead of the science and, and, and recommendations and the findings that we currently have in, in medicine. So that would be a nutshell. I don't know if that kind of uh, explains, if you do, do you have that feeling as well from, from your practice that, that those are the distinctions? Yeah, I would definitely um, echo the same thing in terms of the distinctions. Um, in the focus and also the where the impact is on health in terms of how I would weight the different approaches. So I, I would agree with everything you just said, and I think you said it beautifully. Um, and also with how far the science is. I think um, we've had decades of research on nutrition, for example, and, and to your point, it's probably more of a mature science um, than uh, some of the other um, modalities that I think are available. Um, so we, we have a lot of data supporting um, the benefit and the impact of lifestyle approaches. Absolutely, and I think that should be the primary therapeutic tool. And it doesn't mean that everybody will, will benefit. Yeah, we are all different. We have unique genetic compositions. We have unique exposures in life, experiences. But that's the simplest intervention. And if people can do it, I think most of them will benefit. Now, those who do not, then you take a little bit deeper issue. Yeah, you look deeper and you try to uncover some biochemical abnormalities and maybe genetic predispositions. Uh, one thing that comes to my mind, and we use it in lifestyle medicine, but uh, it's a new nutritional genomics. Yeah, and there are more and more data that you know certain genes do not manifest if, if we are in a good, so, so to speak, nutritional environment, meaning um, 
we do not choose foods that will aggravate those genetic changes. So I think sometimes that's a motivating factor for people to know that, yeah, you have genes that will predispose you to high blood pressure if you eat more than certain amounts of sodium in the diet. So it can be very motivating. So that that's a good use of technology. And I think in the future, we are going to be able to, to really tailor interventions to a particular patient. Just think about, you know, looking at metabolome and microbiome and, uh, you know, very sophisticated look at, at uh, our psychological uh, setup. Yeah, I think the future is bright. Uh, we are still in a very primitive stage that almost everybody is kind of treated very similarly, right? but that is changing. And of course, preferences of patients. Yeah, you might have the best diet for that particular patient, but maybe because of their beliefs and habits and situation at home, and culture and so on, they are not interested in that, yeah? So you have to take that into account and kind of accommodate your, your approach. Yeah, and, um, and I want to talk a little bit about the types of programs that you offer at the Cleveland Clinic Lifestyle Medicine Center. Um, like what are different ways that you help patients um, adopt a healthy lifestyle or different types of testing you do to make recommendations. Can you talk a little bit about your program? Uh, sure. Um, when I joined here, you mentioned we are here for more than 10 years. So when I joined here, that was in the first year of the program. There was only one program. It was called Center for Disease Reversal. And, and that <laughs> program was, yeah, it had a very, very strong name. Uh, because That's uh, quite a promise. You can reverse the diseases, yeah. Uh, we changed this later on because our focus was not only on, on people who have illness, we also focus on people who are healthy. So that, that's why we changed it to Center for Lifestyle Medicine rather than Disease Reversal. But it was Disease Reversal. And, and the program, the only program that we had was very comprehensive, 72 hours of intervention. There were 18 visits, each one four hours, one hour uh, meditation, yoga, one hour uh, group visit, one hour cooking, nutrition, and um, one hour exercise. The problem with this, and we published paper in 2011 showing the benefits of this, and, and just last month, um, our subgroup analysis of cancer survivors came out in Journal of Alternative Complementary Medicine. So the, the biggest challenge was that this program was not covered by medical insurance. So patients had to pay out of pocket. And clearly, when I mean, we started, there was financial crisis, and you could see down the road, it was a big challenge for people to, to do that. Today, essentially the same program with the change in the diet. Diet that we use was Mediterranean diet, so that we could accommodate the, the largest number of people who could, who could come and, and use this. Uh, Dr. Dean Onish's program, yeah, Intensive Cardiac Rehab, it's also 72 hours. There are 18 visits, uh, four-hour visits. Uh, it's just his diet is fully plant-based diet. So from this experience that we had, and, and, and this is really the best when you have you know, 72 hours of intervention, and it's a group session, and you have four hours with your patients. You engage them, and you can monitor them. Um, so we kind of toned down the intensity of intervention and so the first thing that we had, uh, we had uh, established so-called lifestyle medicine consultation, which is consultation like you would go to integrative medicine, you would go to cardiologist or neurologist. In this case, was focused on lifestyle medicine. 
and once we see people in, and that's usually one hour visit, once we see them, they can either, sometimes it happens, they follow exactly the instructions that, uh, that we agreed upon and they benefit and we see them in follow-up visits. Often we uh, continue monitoring them, seeing them every three months or so. And then we realize that even this is not enough in order to engage patients, uh, we established a series of shared medical appointments. So mm -hmm. the ones that, um, that we do in lifestyle medicine, it's uh, focused on those who have um, risk factors of cardiovascular disease. So any patient with uh, hypertension, hyperlipidemia, prediabetes or type two diabetes would have diagnosis to come to this group visit. And uh, there are seven visits, um, more or less every other week, uh, because these patients have multiple comorbidities. So they do not have just one problem. Yeah? They have multiple comorbidities. So we try to focus on different aspects of their comorbidities in a group setting and cover the, the key aspects of nutrition, culinary medicine. So there are visits in the kitchen with our executive chef, chef and physician working together. Uh, we teach them yoga and then we have yoga therapists present there. We, um, provide them with uh, meditation CDs and we work with them. And so um, we reported preliminary data on uh, last year at the American College of Lifestyle Medicine and got award for the, for the best poster. We also reported the outcomes at the Teaching Kitchen Collaborative Research Day. And then uh, <clears throat> exactly uh, very similar structure of the group visits we applied to survivors of breast cancer who completed their treatment because on the guidelines of the Institute of Medicine, American Society of Clinical Oncology, it is advised that we focus on long-term um, quality life of, of cancer survivors, exercise, stress relief, nutrition. And so this, uh, our preliminary data um, has been accepted for publication. It's in press. It will be out, I think, next month or two. Um, but we report the outcomes on 31 patients, and, and they look really very promising. So, so we are very proud of, of, those, of those things that, that we succeeded in, in integrating into the care of our patients. We have many more shared medical appointments. I don't want to overwhelm you, but, but those are the key cornerstone, cornerstone stone, uh, lifestyle medicine interventions. Yeah, I think that's such a great summary of how your programs are structured and the evolution behind them. And it's great that you've had data to be able to publish that and, and to, first of all, um, show the efficacy of the interventions and also um, to show that they're substantial enough to be published, which is even better. Um, that's fabulous. And, um, and, you know, you mentioned the Teaching Kitchen Collaborative. So is that different from your group visits? Do you operate that as different uh, as a program? No, no. It, it just happens so that um, you are probably familiar with Dr. David Eisenberg. Um, yes. He's really the, the, the founder of integrative medicine in the U.S. Um, so David had this, this great idea how we can really transform society, primarily medicine, and by by using kitchens uh, as as vehicle, not just for educating people how to 
eat healthier and prepare healthier foods, but also uh, as a um, vehicle of mindfulness and, and of movement and activity. Yeah? And so he had this great idea and he basically put together um, a group of um, institutions such as ours that have teaching kitchens. And we had this from the beginning and he said, you know, let's just put together this group and the group was called Teaching Kitchen Collaborative. At present time, there are 32 members. Yeah? And the whole idea is, as you could imagine, you know, there are teaching kitchens in a healthcare facility like ours, there are teaching kitchens in community, there are teaching kitchens you know, in the schools. Yeah? And um, we try to develop the best practices. So the whole idea is to have a good intake instrument so that you can use it throughout the United States and, and internationally there are also uh, out, out uh, of, um, how to say, out of our state um, uh, collaborators. And so that we can use the common instrument and gather the, those data that, that you mentioned. Yeah, we need to see, does this really help on the long run? There are studies that show that the more you educate people about preparing the foods, they are more likely to sustain the changes. Yeah. You know that you can give the same recipe to 10 people, you will get 10 different outcomes, yeah? So the focus is really on the technique, technique-driven curriculum, so that no matter which kind of diet you are following, you know the, the good ways to prepare, uh, to prepare food in a healthy manner. And um, so, so teaching Kitchen Collaborative really is a vehicle of uh, collaboration, uh, gathering the, the best practices that different places use, and then coming up with, with common, unique curriculum. How to, what is the best way to teach culinary medicine, um, the type of recipes that are provided, how to analyze the data and outcomes. So the, that's in a nutshell is, is what the teaching kitchen collaborative is. Yeah, and it's really helpful to differentiate the teaching kitchen collaborative, like you said, from teaching kitchens, because I think there are a lot of, uh, as you mentioned, kitchens that are popping up as a place for people to, for example, just make a recipe, you know, um, just cooking demonstration type things. And the goal of the collaborative is really, as you outlined, to have a curriculum. So it's very structured. We have a measured way of looking to see the impact of the different modalities of care. And it's not just around nutrition and culinary science. It includes, you know, all the other components of lifestyle medicine as well. Exactly. Um, exactly. Yeah. I mean, kitchen, you know, just think about the food. I mean, it starts from the, from the climate change to the farmers who grow the food, to transportation, to preparation, uh, uh, cooking it, serving it, eating it mindfully, sharing it with, you know, family, friends. I mean, it's the whole, the whole spectrum of, of human experience. And, and, and I think that is the, the vehicle uh, to transform society. Because what we do in lifestyle medicine, integrative medicine, functional medicine, it, it's really like within the medical system, yeah? Which is only one aspect of, of society. We don't have control over farm bills. We don't have control over climate change. We don't have control over prices of foods. Um, we are the mercy of 
you know, food deserts, um, and many, many other factors, yes, yeah, so that are outside of medicine. But when you when you incorporate that component of food choices and 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 cooking and culinary medicine, I think that that touches all the it has effect on all of those. Are you food insecure or not? Yeah, which kind of which kind of meals you can prepare in certain areas and and not in others? Yeah. So I I, I really think that this is a vehicle for for social transformation. Starts by preparing and learning how to cook. Yeah, no, I agree with you. I think it's very foundational. And um, and for people who are interested in doing a teaching kitchen type program, how long is your typical um, curriculum? Like, is how much of a time commitment? Um, how involved do patients need to get to to actually find that they have made a meaningful difference in their own lives and have been able to achieve the, the transformation? Um, I mean, the short answer is the more, the better. Yeah? So the, the more hours of exposure they have um, and guidance, they'll do better. And of course, there are big differences. Some people get it immediately. For some, it takes a much longer time. Um, so I mentioned Lifestyle 180 program. I mentioned Dr. Dean Onish's program. So, so there is a good culinary component. Yeah, in Lifestyle 180, patients at every visit, they would get a cutting board and, and a knife, and they would cook. They would prepare the meal that they would eat after that as a group. Yeah. In our shared medical appointments, uh, because of the limits uh, on the time that you can spend with patient, and it's a medical visit, yeah, so there is not much time, you know, to go and, and have every patient participate in all aspects of cooking. So it's mostly demonstration um, for, for these two group visits that I mentioned. But we have a separate uh, culinary medicine for chronic disease shared medical appointment that is more focused on culinary aspects. So that's where patients are more engaged. Yeah, they, they, they learn more about uh, culinary medicine. So, so it varies. It can be really just from, from observation uh, to very you know, minimal involvement using learning how to use the knife, knife skills and such things to more extensive involvement. And, and at the Cleveland Clinic, how does um, the Center for Lifestyle Medicine integrate with other departments, you know, for example, with just general internal medicine and primary care, um, do you work collaboratively or are you separate entities? Yeah, um, th that's, a, that's a good question. Uh, technically, we are different institutes from, from other institutes, but for practical purposes, yes, we do collaborate. We have, um, the one way of collaboration is that patient, that uh, physicians, primary care physicians, uh, send us their patients. Yeah, uh, to help them improve their, their outcomes. Uh, often you'll find people uh, who, for a variety of reasons, refuse to take medications. Oh, I don't want to take um, cholesterol-lowering medication. Yeah. So for, for such patients that come refer to us, those are the, really the ideal patients because they are far more motivated to to try to use lifestyle changes uh, instead of medications. Although we always combine medications, uh, all according to the guidelines, but if patients refuse to take medications, then we do what we can to, to help them to, to live healthier. And then uh, I, I just mentioned uh, living well after breast cancer, share medical appointment. This is clear collaboration with our uh, community oncology group. Yeah. Um, 
uh, oncologists. I mean, the guidelines are such that says there should be collaboration between the oncology providers, primary care providers. And I think that's fairly established in almost all circumstances. But then the, the Institute of Medicine and, and other societies go further and said it should also include experts from exercise, physiology, behavioral change, nutrition, culinary medicine. And so then that's the aspect that we provide. So that's a collaboration. We, um, and, and also we have collaborations with, with, other, with other institutes, but, but those are really the, the most important ones, primary care and, and uh, cancer center, cancer institute. What are future directions? Like, where do you see the program growing? Um, there is a DLK scenario, and <laughs> that is a realistic one. <laughs> the ideal one is, um, we have, by the way, a monthly newsletter. And a couple of months ago, I wrote, you know, if you just, if you would be Mr. Spock coming from another planet and, and stumbling upon us and looking, you know, what we are dying from, you will find that these are all the diseases, most of the diseases and by lifestyle changes and then how much we know about this. Yeah, we know a lot, yeah, and how, how little we do. So, and, and I wrote that, that knowing what causes chronic diseases, major killers of humans in the early 21st century are the, are the preventable, avoidable lifestyle-related diseases uh, you would expect that the largest department in every hospital system would be the Department of Lifestyle Medicine. <laughs> with kitchens everywhere, with yoga studios, meditation halls. I mean, this would be the primary therapeutic intervention, yeah, because we are addressing root causes. Yeah? Uh, so, so that's my optimistic vision. I think um, um, the, 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 the real idea is that as we look further, what can we do as a society? Can we afford our current approach that is fully dependent, mostly dependent, overwhelmingly dependent on medications and procedures rather than addressing the root causes? If you look in the future, that's not likely to be sustainable. There'll come a tipping point when we'll realize that we need to, yes, we need to address the help. I mean, we need to provide the help for people who already have disease. We cannot say, Oh, no, no, you know, you, you're diagnosed with, you know, malignant stage four cancer. Now, you know, just go and eat broccoli. No, let's use the best what technology has to offer. But in addition to that, let's teach, let's work with you, teach you how you can eat healthier, how you can meditate, how you can do all of those practices. Yeah. So that is the, that is the goal that, that those practices will be integrated throughout the system for almost any chronic disease that is lifestyle related and most of those are yeah yes, yes. You're preaching to the choir so I, yes. I couldn't agree more i would love to see every hospital lined with teaching kitchens and in yoga studios and and Lada, you have a really interesting background so if you don't mind is my last question i'm going to ask you know how you got into lifestyle medicine because you started off getting a phd postdoc at the max planck institute and here here you are in ohio um <laughs> you've come quite a different um you know in a different country in, in lifestyle medicine instead of in uh purely doing immunogenetics so what was the trajectory that brought you here um i it's hard to put a finger on, on one event or two events. It is just, uh, you know, often you just look that things happen. Um, I, I think it was just curiosity, just to, to be curious about um, 
how we can uh, help people. And when I was young and uh, from medical school, there was this idea that technology will solve all the problems. And it, it's very exciting. And I still get goosebumps, you know, thinking about you can slice the genes and put them together. And, uh, you know, it's, it, it's really almost like science fiction. So, so that was really exciting for me. And, and especially this idea that if you understand how we, our immune system works, we could do many things from, from, you know, organ transplants to, you know, defeating cancer. And, and now we see the fruits, some of those ideas, you know, with the, with the novel therapies. But then um, I think as, as happens to most of us, you know, we, we get older and we kind of uh, realize that, you know, maybe even if I work, you know, 20 hours a, a day and make some spectacular discoveries, we'll still be behind, you know, Will I contribute to that humanity? And so, so that was one of the reasons why I got excited about um, connection between what we what we eat, what we put into our minds, and how that impacts our health. And I thought um, somehow I realized that I would probably be better uh, a better member of our species if if I use those talents uh, in, in that way than than as a scientist. So I kind of transition back into the clinical world. So, so that's essentially there. Oh, that's, that's a great story. Um, Mladen, thank you so much for your time and thank you for, for all that you do combining, you know, your background as a scientist and your work as a physician and, and doing a lot of really innovative work um, and at an institution that is, I think, uh, has a longstanding reputation for being very innovative and, and having a lot of leadership in this area. So thank you for, for all that you do. Are there any final um, thoughts or um, words that you want to share with our listeners? No, I, I would like to express my uh, gratitude for you uh, for contacting uh, me and giving that opportunity to share some of my thoughts. Um, and I'm very appreciative of that. And um, I am appreciative of the efforts that you do and many other uh, members of lifestyle medicine community. I think it's probably the fastest growing uh, medical specialty. Uh, I'm attending the annual conferences, you know, for the past I don't know, 14, 14 years or so, and, and I have never seen such an enthusiasm and energy uh, as in the past couple of years, and I think this year will be even, even better than the previous year. And I'll be seeing you there. Okay, looking forward. <laughs> Wonderful. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. The Whole Health Cure is brought to you by the Lifestyle Medicine and Wellness Center at Emory. For more information about wellness assessments, classes, and other resources, please visit our website. This material is copyrighted by Emory University.